If you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17 is where our main text is going to be. A lot of times we as ministers uh, cleverly change things around to make it sound better for us. Uh, to do what we want to do, to get what we want. One of those things is a lot of times when we go golfing, which I haven't done for several years, is we call it Birdies Unlimited meetings. Uh, that way we can't say we're out golfing all the time, but we're at an actual meeting. Another thing we'll do a lot of times is we'll say, we'll buy a boat. And I don't, trust me, I'm not buying a boat. And I don't have a boat and or whatever. But you know how names on the back of a boat, they put a name on the back of it. Ministers will put the word visitation on it. So the secretary can say, well, he's out on visitations today. And we make it sound better than it really is. Because if you're honest, we can always find time to go to a game. We can always find time to go to a concert, to a movie, to a party. And we can always find time to do these things even at the last minute. I mean, it could be an hour from now. Someone says, hey, you want to go to this game? You want to go to this concert? You want to go to this party with me? And it makes it, what's going on? Yeah, I'll go. I'll change everything else. But we never really have time, if we're honest. We never really have time for God and to do what he has called us to do and to do what he has asked us to do and to be who God has called us to be. Now, let's be honest for just a second, okay? Let's just be real honest with ourselves. It's a new year, so I might as well step on toes right on the first. Let's get this out, and we'll get the toes stepped on. Then we'll put Band-Aids on them after a while. If we're honest with one another, we really don't have time a lot of times to do what God wants us to do. And I've said this before, and I'll say this again. I've said it here. I've said it at other churches. That so many times when it comes for church, oh, we can put that off to the side. Yeah, we've had this going on. We've had this on the calendar for months, if not a full, full year. But it seems like when that time comes to do this revival or do this meeting, to do this thing that the church is doing, we'll go to the game, we'll go to the concert, we'll do, go golfing because friends ask us to do it. And don't expect me to do anything at the last minute. You know, don't, don't call this meeting and expect me to miss the first half of a ball game or not to make it to that concert. I'm going to go stand in line for for five hours to hopefully get a ticket. So can we be honest for just a second and say, that's probably us a little bit, if we're truly honest. I mean, what are people truly going to say about you as they gather around you at your funeral, as the hearse takes you to the final resting place, and you've always played golf all your life, and they stand around the grave, and they're talking, and they say, man, he finally shot a 90 at a certain golf course. Now, if you don't know golf, that's a good score. You know, if you hit in the 90s for an average golfer. Man, they finally broke 90. Or, man, he finally got that birdie on number 17 that nobody gets a birdie on. Or he had a better game at Pebble Beach than most people. I mean, you went to every concert. Never missed opening day for a movie or for a baseball game. You never miss a sporting event. But we're going to say, what are people going to say at that time? I mean, after all, we had a chance at one time to open our heart. We had a chance at some point in time in our life to share the gospel message about Jesus Christ with someone. We had the chance to tell the greatest story on earth, but instead, we settle for this little trophy that says we got closest to the pen than everybody else. Or we attended the most games. 
or we can claim what we want to claim. And when we have to ask ourselves at some point in time, how many wasted hours have I had doing those things versus eternal things in our life? How many times have I spent my day harboring fruitless resentments, pursuing false hopes, doing things that, yeah, matter, but not in the true big picture of life? Several years ago, Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. How many have ever read that book, seen that book? Great book. You know, he took some flack from it, and churches were going through this. And some of this is coming from that idea. But several weeks ago at the last board meeting in December, I told the board, this word purpose keeps coming to mind. You know, why we do what we do? What are we doing? If we're going to do it, let's do it with a purpose. In other words, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. And for the love of everything holy, if we're going to do it, let's have fun doing it. If you can't have fun doing it, then why are we doing it? You know, so we need to ask ourselves, what is that purpose? So this morning, as we begin 2018, as we consider our purpose in life, especially God's purpose, how God wants to use us, what God wants us to do, where God is leading us, we want to make sure, and I want us to make sure, that we're not wasting our life. We're not wasting our time doing what we're doing and not getting results out of what we're doing. Okay, so in other words, let me say it this way. If what we're doing is getting results, continue doing it. Absolutely. But if what we're doing is not getting results, I think we need to step back and stop doing what we're doing just to say we're doing it. Because, folks, all this doing is making us tired. And when that stuff makes us tired, what happens? We don't do what God wants us to do. I'm too tired to go to church on Sunday. It's too cold to go to church this morning. It's too hot to go to church on this Sunday. You see, it's one or the other. And we need to understand what God wants us to do. And like we read in from Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, Be very careful then how you live. Be cautious, he says. He says, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity that we have. Can I tell you something just real quick? I get out and about in the community a lot. I go different places, and several weeks ago, in fact, it's been a few months, I was getting ready to go do something. Sun was gone, and I was ironing a shirt and looking out my south window in the guest bedroom. saw this big plume of smoke way south. Well, I wasn't on the fire department anymore, but you know me. It, it intrigued me a little bit. Getting ready to go to a basketball game, I believe. I had plenty of time, so I got finished dressed, and I went down that way. found this huge fire. Barn was on fire, house was on fire, down way past Yeddo. I got out and was talking to some people, and they asked me who I was. Hey, I'm Kurt Flora. I'm from West Liberty Church, just making sure everybody's okay. You guys need anything, those kinds of things. Oh, West Liberty. We know somebody that goes there. They gave me a specific name. You know what I thought? I thought if they know who you are and they know you go to church here, I'm wondering why haven't we reached out to them and invited them to church, invited them to things. You see, we all have that opportunity. We're busy doing other things, but we don't have a chance to do that. And it's just not that. I've had other circumstances where that's happened. So we need to be careful, Paul says. We can be careful, we can be thoughtless. We can live like fools, or we can live as the wise, as Paul says. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel good when I do wise things. Don't get me wrong, I do a lot of foolish things. But I feel good when I get the wise done. 
And I get the idea that we're all Christian enough to agree that to do what God wants us to do, to live our lives by His purpose, is a wise choice. Do you agree? I mean, it's a wise choice to do that. It's sensible. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's a ticket to happiness. We agree on that, or we're at least open to that, I hope. So the question is this. What does, he, what, do he, what does he want? What is his plan? One way or the other. So here's three questions this morning that I want to go through. Number one, what does God want from me? You need to ask yourself that question. Either today, tonight, through this week. God, what do you want from me? The plain reality is this. God wants with me what people are willing to give to golfing, to hunting, to boating, to sports, to anything else that we're involved in. God wants that from us. What does God want? You ready for this? He wants my whole life. He wants all of it, folks. He wants every bit of it. He wants full devotion. Understand, no more, no less. He wants it all. Rick Warren says this in his book. He says, there's not a single verse in the Bible, not one, that says you you can be a Christian and live your life any old way you want to. It's just not there, he said. God wants all of you. He doesn't want 10% of you. He doesn't want 50% of you. He doesn't want 99% of you. He wants all of you. We need to let that sink in for just a minute. He wants all of us. What does God want? He wants all of us. He wants my undivided loyalty. He wants my devotion. He wants to give me the benefits of his full being. In other words, undiluted control of my life. Completely, wholeheartedly. No questions asked. C.S. Lewis wrote in an essay entitled Christian Apologetics. He says that there is one thing Christianity could never be. He said, Christianity is a statement, he writes, which if false is of no importance. If true, is of infinite importance. He says the one thing it cannot be is moderately important. It can't be halfway. It can't be somewhat important. Either there is or it isn't. Romans 6.13 says this. Paul says, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Did you catch that? Every part of us. Not just some. Not just a small part. Every part of us. So that brings us to the question. Is what we're doing, is how we're living, is who we are on the secular side or on the holy side? Okay? Revelation says we can't be lukewarm. You're the one or the other. So you're either going to be on the secular side or you're going to be on the holy side. It's our choice. And I know what you're going to say. Well, there's days where I'm more holy than others. Man, Sunday morning, I'm all in. You know, Sunday morning is easy. I'm going to church. I'm going to do those things that I'm supposed to do. But Monday morning rolls around. Then I go back over to the secular side. You see, I think most of us have this idea about God's God's kingdom. And we'll say, I owe God a little bit on Sunday morning. I owe God a few minutes here and there. Maybe read the Bible or, you know, something like that. I owe him a certain level of my behavioral loyalty. In other words, I'm going to try to behave, but if it don't work, so what? 
You know, as long as I don't get caught, right? As long as somebody doesn't see me, right? As long as nobody knows, I'm good. But God says, no, that's not the way it is. Yeah, I owe him some of the dollars that are in my pocket. I owe him a certain level of that behavioral loyalty. But my life is my life, right? Is that what some of you are thinking right now? Now, wait a minute, Kurt. I get this. I understand what God wants. But come on, Kurt. My life is my life right now. And why are you to tell me how to live my life? How are you to tell me that I'm supposed to change what I'm doing in my life? That everything I have to do is to be holy? Really? Is that what I have to do? I'm not saying it, folks. God's word is. I'm not saying we're going to walk around here like a bunch of monks, hum, all day long, singing, you know, doing that thing. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying God expects a little more than what we're willing to give. But we're going to say, my life is my life. I'm going to give God a bite of my pie right here. Just one bite here, maybe one bite there, another bite over there. You know, in other words, when I want to watch my TV, I'm going to watch what I want to watch. I'm not going to watch what maybe God wants me to watch. We've got my Sunday activities, and I've got my regular activities. I'm going to do what I want to do. We have Christian music that you can listen to all the time, but now I'm going to listen to that rock and roll garbage all the time and never hear what good stuff there is. And God gets those little bites. I want you to understand what God says about the little bites we want to give him here and there. God says, no, absolutely not. God says, I want the whole pie. I want it all. Deuteronomy 10, 12 says this. I want you to catch what it says at the end. It says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God? Catch this, to walk in obedience, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with what? Remember that text? With all of your what? Heart, your soul, and your mind. All of it. He didn't say, I'll just take 10%. That's what I asked for your offerings. No, I want it all, he says, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Now, we have these things in our lives, and you're going to say that. But, Kurt, I have a wife. I have kids. I'm trying to raise my kids. I'm trying to raise my family. I'm busy. I have this job that I have to go to. And I want you to understand, marriage and family and jobs and hobbies and fans of being sports and all those things and you can really enjoy your job you can actually love your job if you want to and that's not wrong understand all those things are good all those things are created by god but all of them good as they are need to be below number one who's supposed to be number one god as long as they're below number one that's fine They're good. They're blessings. And God's going to bless you with those things where you're going to enjoy them even more. Remember what the first commandment is of the Ten Commandments? Do not have any other gods before me. Understand, anything that comes before God is an idol. It comes before God. And we have a lot of those things, folks, whether we like it or not. Whatever's number one in your life is your God. And the wonderful thing is this, when we make God first in our life, he makes all those other things a blessing, and they come as blessings, and they're going to be more satisfying because they come under God. And we have to realize that. I think we can all identify, maybe, when most of us, I think, will can, of the temptation of saying that I plan for some real God years down the road. There's going to be a day, Kurt, Or maybe you're telling God this. 
okay, God, I know I can't do it now. Man, I'm just so busy. I don't have time. I've got all these things going on. I don't have time to have some good God years right now. But I promise down the road, I'm going to have some great God years where I'm going to be devoted, where I'm going to be committed, where I'm going to do what you want me to do. But right now, God, I just can't do it. I just don't have the time. You know, I've just gotten married. i got kids to raise. I need to put some money away for college. I want to get to that platinum level and visa. You know, we got to get there, you know, so I can go out to the big places and show off a little bit. And God says, no, you need to put me first now. You need to put me first now, not later. And God says, trust me. You remember the parable in Luke 14 where the king in that parable invites all these people to this black tie event. And it's, the banquet's prepared. All the food is there. And he wonders where all these people are at that he's invited. And they all have excuses. And I understand, I think all these people that were invited had good plans to honor the king some other time. But right now they didn't. But right now, he's, one says, oh, I've got this field that I need to go look at that I just bought. In other words, I've got to go check on the cows that I just bought. And the third one says, I just got married, dude. I got this honeymoon to go on, so I can't go. Now, I want you to understand, these all things were good. I mean, wealth is good, work is good, family is good. All of them are God-given things, but all needing to be kept in second place when God invites us to the heavenly banquet. And that's what's happening in this text. They all planned on it, but other things came up, seemed more important. There's another promise in Proverbs 3, 6. The psalmist says this. It says, in all your ways, submit, acknowledge, recognize to him, and he will make your paths straight. Understand, this comes from the diaries of a royal uh, man, Solomon. He has lots of fields. He has lots of cows. He has hundreds of wives. And when I read that, I'm thinking, hundred wives? That's a hundred mother-in-laws. That's tough, you know. But notice, Solomon says, in everything you do, you put God first and he will direct and crown your efforts with success only when God is first. If he's anything else, all these things aren't going to happen. So if you've been a part-time Christian, if we've had a big pie and we just carved out this little piece for God, before the day's over, it's going to be the invitation for you to get things right, to give him first, because that's what he wants. In fact, that's what he demands. The second question is this. What does it take? What does it take to do what God wants me to do, to be who God wants me to be, to do God's will? I mean, we want to give God everything. We don't want to waste our life. We don't want to reach the spiritual potential God intends for us. So what does it take? Are you ready for this? You're not going to like this answer. You're going to say, ouch. Here it is. It takes discipline. It takes discipline. I know, boo. We don't like that word. I've never liked that word. I'm not sure I ever really will like that word because it reminds me of back in August when I was in high school, two-a-day practices when it's 90 degrees outside. Reminds me of going on those diets that never lasted very long. You know, because it takes discipline to do so. And man, donuts are so good. You know, 
I don't have that discipline. But here's what the Bible tells us about this. Proverbs 10, 17 says this, Whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. I love it. If you heed discipline, it'll show us the way to life. In fact, does not the word discipline have the word disciple? So it means it's got the same root in it somewhere. If we want to be true disciples of Jesus Christ, we've got to be disciplined in our life and what we do. Okay, we hate the word discipline, so let me make a point. All of us are used to going and doing hard things right now. And sometimes we do the hard things now so we can do the fun things later, right? I mean, I've had friends that have become runners, and they want to do these marathons and all these things, and it takes discipline, doesn't it, to be a good runner? I mean, they're up early in the morning, in the wee hours of the morning when it's dark and barely sunlight, and they're running these miles upon miles. Why are they doing so? It's one to get in shape. But if they're just running miles to be miles to be running miles, it's probably not going to matter. But if you're a marathon runner, it's to get into that winner circle. It's to finish the race. And sometimes it doesn't have to be first. I mean, I guarantee you right now, if I told you by the end of this year I'm going to run a marathon, it would be a miracle that I even finished. Okay? So they have a goal in mind. Why? So they can experience what is there. So the lesson is this. We all have what it takes. In other words, we have the discipline, I truly believe, to get to the things that matter to us. We have that discipline to get to the things that truly matter to us. I can guarantee you right here, right now, we have our favorite television shows. We all know for a fact that at 8 o'clock Tuesday night, a new episode of NCIS comes on. And if somebody would call and say, hey, we need to have a meeting at the church, Tuesday night, 8 o'clock, some of you, first thing you're going to think is, can't go, because I've got to watch NCIS, and I don't have TiVo, so I can't record it. Okay? We all know when the next ball game is. We all know when this is happening. We all know this and understand, again, those things are not bad. And I guarantee you, every single one of us sitting here this morning is disciplined enough to get to the dining room three times a day, 21 times a week, 1,092 times a year to feed our face. We have that will. We have that discipline. Usually my will works the opposite direction. I go multiple times during the day to feed my face. I don't know about you, but when I do watch baseball, I like watching either college baseball or even high school baseball, but I love it when they're golden glove, when they get professional. I love watching third baseman because they usually have the longest throw they have to make. So I love a good third baseman, and he's a golden glove. And as you watch him, he is so good that he can field the ball, he can pause, he can get his feet, he can take a sandwich out of his back pocket, eat the sandwich, make the throw the first, and it's a dead laser throw, and still get the guy out. I ask you, why can he do that time after time after time? You know why? Because his habit became a discipline. His discipline became a million-dollar arm. So what do you think it means to us about discipline this morning? If we're disciplined in what God desires, what God wants from us, if we're doing his purpose in our life, if we make that decision this morning, I guarantee you, it may not be a million dollars on earth. Retirement's out of this world, folks. What God has for us later. 
First Timothy 4.7 says this, Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. And if we're habitually honest, you're an honest person, one of the things we need to do is in this sermon series that we're going to do is we need to develop some new spiritual habits in our life. And here's one of them you can do. It's in your outline. You need the discipline of letting go. There's just some things we need to let go of in our life. Yeah, they've been there a long time. We've always done these things, but sometimes we need to let them go. Anytime we add something new to our schedule, something's got to be given up, doesn't it? If I want to do this, I've got to give up this. And mo- most of us know that this choice is a lot of times difficult. And sometimes I even look at it this way when I'm trying to start something in the church. We want to start this new ministry, and we're already doing all these things. And I'm thinking, man, if I start this thing, guess who's going to dump on It's going to mean I have to do this, or we have to do this, or more things to the people already doing a lot of the work. So what happens is a lot of times either something has to go by the wayside, or you've got to find new people to do it. And again, if it's got a purpose, it's okay, but if it doesn't, we need to think about it. As we try to make God number one, something else may have to be sacrificed. So understand that. If you pray this morning, when we come to this invitation time, and we say, hey, God, I want your purpose. I want to live for you. I want to do what you want me to do. I want your will in my life. Understand, there's going to be some pretty difficult decisions to make because you're going to give up some good things in life. But you're going to give it up for the better. Trust me. Hebrews 12.1 says this. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Another thing we need to do, Paul says it right here, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Okay, we need to strip off some things in our life. Swimmers and track runners, if you watch the Olympics, they wear these really skimpy outfits, and they're really slick because they don't want friction. They don't want the wind to slow them down. They want to be able to cut through that water when they swim. They strip those things off because there's things that so easily hinders them. And Paul says we need to say, do the same thing here. There's things we need to take off that's slowing us down. We need to get rid of things that hold us back. We need to understand there's things in our life right now that instead of allowing us to go down that river with ease, that's anchoring us, anchoring us down into the mud and the pit and the things we don't need. Another thing is this. Two things here that hold us back. Weight and sin. Those are two of the things that hold us back. Two things keep us from being what God wants us to be in life, that limit our potential, that make our life a waste. Now, we all know what sin is. It's breaking God's law. But what about that weight? What is that weight that he's talking about? I'm not talking about the weight we gain from Christmas. I'm not talking about that kind of weight. The weight is something that's not really wrong. It's just unnecessary. It's those unnecessary things we have in life. You may have an innocent hobby that it's fun, it's exhilarating, it's beneficial even. But at certain times in your life, it's just one too many things that's bubbling over your glass of life. And sometimes you've got to strip it away. You've got to get rid of it. It's just extra weight. Again, Rick Warren says this in his book. He says, notice. He says, a weight can be all kinds of things. It could be a relationship. It could be an expectation. It could be an activity. It could be a club. It could be a memory that you refuse to let go of. It could be a fear. It could be a job. And he coins this expression. He says, to grow, I must learn to say no. To grow, I must learn to say no. We got to learn to say no to some things. 
Folks, I'm telling you right here, now my, Scott and the rest of the board members, you may not agree with this, and you, you can change my mind on this, but I, for years, and it's not been being here, the ministry report that I gave my board, I felt needed to be full of stuff that I did. So I'm always willing to help out, do these things, but I always made sure it was in the report. You know, after studying for this, I've come to realize that that ministry report doesn't have to be full of garbage that I did. Like Monday, Larry and I are going to move the siding, put it in the garage. Used to that be on my ministry report because I wanted these guys to know what I was doing. It's more important now that they know I'm in this, that I'm going to take time to read. I'm going to take time to go through my sermons. I'm going to take time to be ready for Wednesday nights. I'm going to take time to do what's truly important. Then all those other things, when they fall in place, that's okay. But you all don't have to need to know those things. You just need to know that what we're doing is in God's will, is in God's purpose. So I have a specific request for you this morning. Drop something. Pick something bad in your life. Pick something trivial. Or if you have to, pick something good, something that's worthwhile, and just put it on the shelf for a little while, for the next few months, maybe forever, because you're going to find out it's not what you really want. Because Proverbs 10.27 says, The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. So put it up there. Let God have it and decide what he wants you to do. Have you ever had one of those busy weeks, busy days, busy months where you just bounce going here, going there, and you get to the end of the day, get to the end of the week, and you're going, I never accomplished anything. I think a lot of our lives are that way right now if we really stop and think about it. We want to be so busy to make us feel better about life for some reason. And what God is saying a lot of times is for the love of everything holy, slow down. Don't be so tired. Get the rest. Substitute re- watching that rerun on TV for the fifth time and take that time and read the Bible to pray. Maybe to do something healthy. Psalms 39.6 says this, Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. You know, we run around in vain. You all know the story of Mary and Martha. Uh, we're good friends of Jesus. Remember that story where Jesus is coming to their house and Mary and Martha are there and the new Revised Standard Version says it this way. It says, she was distracted by her many tasks. Does that ring a bell with a lot of us? I'm distracted by the many tasks of life. We just have too many things going on. We can't clearly see which one is important. And in Luke 10, Mary, the sister of Martha, is frazzled and fussy. Why? Because she's in the kitchen. Now, I shouldn't make you frazzled and fussy, but she's in the kitchen. She's worried about all these things, and she came to Jesus and asked this. He says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus gave her this quiet, soul-searching answer. He says, Martha, Martha. You're worried and distracted by many things. Somebody said she had spiritual ADD. Then Jesus says this, Martha, there is a need of only one thing, and Mary has chosen the better. Sometimes it just comes down to choosing the one thing, folks. The one thing that's in our life. This one thing I do, Paul once said, and Jesus says it to Martha. If you have to choose between... Now get this, Jesus is telling Martha, if you have to choose between doing the dirty dishes right now 
or sitting at my feet because I'm here right now, what's the better choice? And Jesus is asking us the same thing, folks. If you've got to choose between all this other stuff that's in our life and give up being with Jesus, give, give up being who Jesus wants us to be, being who God wants us to be, being in his will, what are we going to choose? Are we going to choose this one thing that's better, that has eternal consequences? Or are we going to decide to continue to doing everything we've already done? The third thing is simply this. I'm going to close with this. Number three, why do I do it? Why is this important? Why am I going to spend the next, I don't know how many weeks, on this topic about purpose? Because it's important for one. But it comes down to a very important answer. The answer really is only two words. Why do we do all this? Why do we need to find the purpose in our life? Why do we need to be in God's will? And the answer is this. It's the cross. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Because of the cross, Jesus deserves us to put him number one in our life. No questions asked. No looking back, as the song says. No looking back. Why should we do this? Jesus gave his life so that we could live forever. We know that. We've heard that over and over again and said it all of our lives, but now we've got to act upon it. See, if the Calvary story is true, in other words, folks, get this, if the cross, the story of the cross is true, if Jesus died for our sins, if we went to the cross and we nailed him there and we stuck a sword in his side and he died for us and if he rose on the third day, if that is true, then we owe Jesus that. We owe him why we do what we do. And I want you to understand this, and because of the cross, it is absolutely appropriate that we give God what is his. And folks, that is all of us. Every aspect of who we are. It's important. It really is. And you know what? I'll even say it's even more than important. And you could sit here and you can say, yeah, I'm going to make that decision one day. I can't do it today because i got all these other things going. I can guarantee you tomorrow may never come. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.15, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Did you catch that? And those who live should no longer live for themselves. He died for us. He died for you. He died for all. One last scripture. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true and proper worship. And I understand you may be sitting here this morning, you're maybe going, wow, can I really do this? Is this even possible in my life? How do I get out of all the things I'm already doing and change who I am and start becoming what God wants me to do? One, it starts by making a decision right here, right now. Don't put it off. And you may be saying, well, there's no way God can change all this. Remember the scripture says, and all these things will be added unto you. With God, it's possible. Because it says, all these things I'm going to add. So you put me first. You put my life first. Everything I do in my life, you put God first. All these things are going to be added. And guess what? 
All those things are going to be blessings. All those things are going to be God-given. And all those things, like Solomon, are going to be successful. If you're sitting here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's where it starts. It starts with a relationship with Him. It's not about religion. It's not about being part of a church. It's about being part of who, what God's family really is. And yeah, it's being part of a family, being a member here, allowing us to work with one another, doing what God wants us to do. But right here, right now, it's about starting 2018 as a child of God, as a believer, as a baptized believer, the gift of the Holy Spirit that's given to us so that we can have the strength to do all these things. Or maybe to place your membership or maybe for prayer. You're struggling, there's things going on in life and you're not sure which way is up. First and foremost, right here, right now, get God on that top shelf. Put God up on that top shelf above everything else. And then all the other things are going to be added.